Well, Miami Dolphins got taken back behind the woodshed again yesterday in week five, losing 45-17 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. We're going to sit here and we're going to talk about it. Welcome to the show. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Monday, October 11, 2021 edition of Locked on Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting the DraftNetwork.com, your host here on Locked on Dolphins, and it's going to be another week of group therapy sessions because... Miami didn't just lose to Tampa Bay, and I think everybody expected Miami was going to lose to Tampa Bay in Week 5. Maybe some uberly optimistic fans had hopes of a win. I did not expect a win, but I did not expect Miami to give up a 40-burger. This is the accumulation of the one-two punch of Super Bowl contending teams that the Dolphins have played throughout the course of the first five weeks of the season, and they, they finished that stretch outscored 80-17. to 17. Tampa Bay scored 45 points, had 558 yards, 33 first downs, 8 of 11 on third down, almost nine, 8 yards per play, 9.5 yards per attempt, 4.5 yards per rush, They made it into the red zone six times and scored on four of them. And one of those was the mercy rule kneeling at the end of the game that Tampa Bay took to prevent a 50-burger being slapped on the Miami Dolphins. And Tampa Bay possessed the football for 37 minutes. Man, okay, so let's start at the top. Because last week we talked on the show about, you know, this this is now evaluation season. We're evaluating the players, the player personnel, the coaching staff, everybody. And the first place that my mind goes to is the direction of this team under Brian Flores is not moving in the right direction right now. And I am not all the way out on Brian Flores. I, coming into this season had nothing but great things to say about Brian Flores. But it's pretty alarming if you're a disciplinarian defensive coach whose team doesn't play disciplined and doesn't play defense. That's not a good recipe, especially if you have the hardships that you're having on the offensive side of the ball with your offensive line coaches and your offensive coordinators. To get those hires right. I did think Miami played admirably well in the passing game. Jacoby Brissett. He ended up being 27 of 39, passing for 275 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. And the interception was a drop by Jalen Waddell. That popped the ball straight up into the air and into the hands of Jamel Dean. I admire what Jacoby Brissett showed. He was tough. Took him back on a card at one point. It was a hamstring issue, and he kept playing. I appreciated that toughness, you know, and and for as bad as he was against Indianapolis, and quite honestly against the Raiders as well, 
I thought he did a pretty good job of, of working his reads and going through his progressions. And you know, he was only sacked a handful of times. I thought the offensive line played uh, their best game yet. And Austin Jackson moved inside left guard and was a pleasant surprise and not being a total train wreck. And from an evaluation standpoint, since that's the word of the day for the fourth straight week, since we can't win a football game, those are storylines to watch and monitor and be highly interested in. But this team was outscored 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter and 38 to nothing in the second and fourth quarters combined. I'm a little worried about the locker room. You know, the the hard-nosed disciplinarian approach is always uh, easy when you're winning. But coaches that are hard on their players, um, that message is a lot harder to remain digestible if you're not winning football games. And I think there's no uh, more prominent example of that with Coach Flores than what we saw that came out from uh, Tua Tungavaloa's private coach, his, his trainer that he spent so much time with this offseason from Perform. And assuming these are true, and I don't have any reason to doubt it, at least from the perspective of, of who Perform is talking to, um, this ship is taking on water, and it's not going to be pretty. Uh, two tweets. Ross is pissed. Team is bad. But if Tua wins next week against the Jags, it's for sure, quote, the defense and Flores coaching. The kid deserves better. He's got the shit end of the stick and above all has succeeded. Maybe not your idiotic opinion, but the numbers don't lie. Uh, somebody responded. Fredsky had responded and said, coming back to a team that quit on their coach while he's fighting for his job, dot, dot, dot. To which Perform responded, quit. This coach is hard to even talk to. How much harder do you think he is to play for? Child, please. Um, Yikes. (laughs) This has the potential to get very ugly. And with all the rumors that persist about Brian Flores and he apparently wanted Justin Herbert instead of Tua Tagovailoa, if this, and this is presumably not just coming from the the trainer, you know, if this if that's the perspective that you know, Tua has, and Tua's trainer is you know, extrapolating some of Tua's experiences, then this this is very very combustible. This is not good. Um, we are not going to get a lot of clarity on that at this point in time. Of course, there's a lot of he said, she said going on right now. And and I think everybody kind of realizes that, um, this thing is, is headed South. And that usually kicks off the chaos committee of people trying to climb over each other, people fighting for their own job security and, uh, dolphins at one and four, and have been outscored by two legitimate Super Bowl contenders by a score of 80-17 to 17 in a year in which 
they were supposedly ready to declare themselves as a legitimate contender. Well, that has not happened. And that is not going to happen this year, no matter what. Because at 1-4, and four, you have to go 8-4 and four over your last 12 games to have a winning record, let alone the playoffs. You can forget about the playoffs. You can forget about a winning record. No? You, you look at the schedule that they have remaining, and for my money, they're probably going to be 6-6 six and six over that stretch. 7-10. and ten. That's the kind of football team I think we're talking about right now. The schedule does soften up. Too little, too late. I want to tell you guys about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and all your shows in one place. And the best part is there's no annual contact, so stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. So I have a um, confession to make. First and foremost, th- thanks for making Locked On Dolphins your first listen of the day. Um, you could have made it your first listen last night after the game. I had recorded this show at, it was like 6.30 last night. And got all the way down to the end, start working on, and, and I had done a video version too. And uh, went to edit the the audio from the video recording. And somewhere along the way, my microphone was not properly set. And it took none of the audio. So that's why I'm like, it's 6 a.m. on Monday morning. And I'm recording this because if there's one thing I did not want to do in general, it was talk about the Bucks game. And now you're going to tell me I've got to talk about it twice. I needed to buffer, so I gave myself about 12 hours. <sighs> Collective breath. Uh, the the cam pop you heard is actually an energy drink at 6 a.m. because that's the only way I'm getting the getting my feet rolling and hitting the ground and moving. So um, I'm not going to sit here and talk too much about what happened against Tampa Bay because it was defensively, it's a train wreck. Tampa Bay picked on Jerome Baker to no end. To no end. The Dolphins' second level with, with you know, Elan and Roberts and Van Ginkle and Baker, and they got to take a hard look at that group. You know, you went out and you got all these defensive backs. And I understand Tampa Bay, they're going to run a tight end out there and Leonard Fournette, and he's a big body. But you... <sighs> You're getting abused over and over and over and over again in intermediate routes and in the middle of the field and in running backs and and tight ends when your linebackers are charged with covering. Jerome Baker had good metrics last year in coverage. But Tampa Bay spelled blood in the water and they went right at him and he played eight awful football game. And if I'm going to keep the same energy that I had for Jacoby Brissett last week when Jacoby was bad and I I said I would have asked Brian Flores, why didn't you consider playing anybody else? There was a point in the game yesterday where I said, you can't put Jerome Baker in coverage anymore. You need to take him out and he either needs to exclusively rush the passer and be a mugged linebacker in your blitz package or take him off the field because he played that poorly. Xavier Howard, um, 
got a taste of 2015 Antonio Brown, apparently. And that's fine. Like, Antonio Brown cooked him. I think he was targeted eight times. He had seven catches for over 120 yards and two touchdowns. It was the play down on the goal line. When you had third and two and the score was 24-17, like you were legitimately, it was a one-score football game, third down, opportunity to force them to kick a field goal, get the ball back. Your team had just gone 85 yards or whatever and scored a touchdown. Third and two from the five. Xavier Howard, one-on-one in the hole at the line of scrimmage against Leonard Fournette. And he gave the most piss-poor tackle attempt I've seen this season from this team. And that's saying something, because we've seen some piss-poor tackle attempts from this team. Not even a general interest in grabbing a shoelace. I said, come on, man. That's disheartening. Jerome played a bad game. Okay, they picked on him in coverage. Okay. Had a couple successful opportunities against Giovanni Bernard when they caught him in pass protection and could rush against him. Zavian, opportunity to make a play. Team's highest paid player because that matters. You're the best player. Can't even pretend to be interested in trying to tackle Leonard Fournette in the hole with your game and your season on the line. Like seeing Miles Gaskin getting involved. Uh, almost can't help but wonder why it took this long for Miles Gaskin to get involved in any capacity anyway. I understand he's been struggling in, in pass protection, but uh, he caught 10 passes. <laughs> Miles Gaskin carries per attempt or per game this season nine against New England, five against Buffalo, 13 against the Raiders, two against the Colts. Five against the Bucks. Receiving game. He had not caught a pass last week against the Colts. He caught 12 passes in the first three games combined. He caught 10 passes against Tampa Bay alone. Miles Gaskin. If this was the guy you spent all offseason encouraged by to the point in which you didn't draft a running back until the seventh round, and you only signed a heavy-footed, short-yardage, pass-protecting specialist in free agency, you should probably use that guy and use him where he does well, the passing game. They did that. And Tony Romo casually drops on the broadcast that the Dolphins did indeed Change the structure of their play calling system. They streamlined this. It is George Godsey directly to to the ears of the quarterback. So they have, I don't know what degree the changes have been made, but it at the very least, it sounds like they've cut Charlie Fry out of this process. Uh, I don't know if it's still co-coordinators deliberating on play calls like I don't know and and I don't don't really know the point of not knowing let's be honest if your competitive advantage is to have your entire offensive staff appear as though they're a dumpster fire like (laughs) I don't know like I don't see any competitive advantage at this point in time to the smoke and mirrors it's a cheap gimmick 
just like that turnover streak that we used to hang our hats on that is now over because the Dolphins didn't get a turnover against the Bucks. I'm out of lipstick to put on this pig. It's a lot of bad. Built Bar's not bad, though. Built Bar's a protein bar that tastes like candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber. Low in calories, low in sugar. They've got 100% chocolate on all their bars. They've got delicious flavors to choose from, nine of them. So whether you need something to grab and go, whether you need something for a midnight snack, whether you need something for... uh, post-workout meal, you name it, Bill Bar can be it. Right now, you can visit BillBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and save 15% off your next order. That's BillBar.com, promo code LOCK15, to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. So, I'm done talking Tampa Bay. Like, Jalen Phillips, play a nice game. Uh, Liam Eikenberg, you put him at left tackle, look better. Uh, he did give up the one sack off the edge, but Austin Jackson was walked back into the lap of Jacoby Brissett, and it prevented Jacoby from stepping up in the pocket. So there's some blame to be had for Lee Eikenberg there. There's some blame to be had for Austin Jackson there. thought Austin Jackson played better than I ever could have possibly dreamed for his first career game at left tackle or left guard. And if he salvages his career and becomes a quality left guard, then, like, pff, good for us. It's house money because I've completely written him off a tackle. These are the kinds of storylines that I'm interested in watching unfold. Because if you look at the Dolphins' schedule, right, where they have to go from here, we knew the first five games of the schedule was going to be an absolute bear. You know, even if we didn't want to say so, it was a tough first five. You know, Indianapolis was perceived to be a playoff team before the season started. Uh, the Raiders, it was a West Coast trip. There was hardship to be had at just about every turn here. And as that manifested itself, we've very clearly seen uh, a one in four start. The next game's on the schedule for Miami. I'm going to go through uh, the bye week. Jacksonville in London, Atlanta, Buffalo, Houston. Okay, three winnable games in that stretch. Home, short week, Thursday night, Baltimore. I'm intrigued. New York Jets, Carolina Panthers, who just lost to Philadelphia Eagles. New York Giants, bye week, come off bye week, New York Jets. There's two teams on that stretch, that entire stretch at Buffalo and home against Baltimore, that you kind of cringe and you groan and you collectively feel as though it could get ugly. The rest of them, I expect competitive football games. Do I think they're going to win all those football games? No. Not with this defense. But um, there's going to be good opportunities for players to show up and start acting like their jobs and their security in South Florida is on the line because it is. Because I don't know how you sell the continued direction of what we're getting right now. It's not even like 
all of the key identity pieces of this team have fallen through the floor. And that's extremely alarming. Of course, that evaluation starts with Tua Tagovailoa, who we're presuming will be back uh, from injured reserve uh, in time to play Jacksonville. I hope that is the case because his evaluation is the most important one. We have no idea what we have. Obviously, everybody wants to talk about Justin Herbert, who I've gone on to mute on Twitter, and I like Justin Herbert. I like him as a player. I like watching him play. Um, I would have been perfectly fine with him drafting him back in 2020. I had him and two in the same bucket as players as far as the tiers from an evaluation process. But the timeline, I can't handle it. I cannot handle reading all of the tweets about Justin Herbert all the time from everybody. It's fans. It's beat reporters. It's everybody. Let's focus on what we've got and how we can fix it, please. Because the coulda, woulda, shoulda game, it drives me nuts. And obviously, we can go ahead and if you want to, put Justin Herbert on the list alongside the Drew Breeses of the world, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, and the guys that Miami could have had but didn't get, and Matt Ryan's on that list, and like, yeah, we know, we're used to it, right? But we also don't know what we do have in Tua. Just because Justin Herbert is good doesn't mean Tua can't be good. And this stretch of games is going to tell us or show us and point us in the direction of what we think we need to know. But I don't envy how things are aligning, having to make a decision with a general manager, a head coach, and a quarterback. Are you going to flush them all down? Are you going to retain one? Which? How do you identify which one to keep? That's why our evaluation of every single piece of this organization right now is important. And that is why that is what we are going to continue to do on Locked on Dolphins this week. Uh, the next couple of days, it's going to be offensive and defensive cornerstones. We're going to look at the entire roster because I don't... I'm, do you guys want me to sit here and talk about a 1-4 team and... and schematics like yeah i'm gonna bring my film observations to the table but i'm gonna bring my film observations to the table for the tune of listen based off the first five games these are the players that are showing themselves to be developing moving in the right direction financially they make sense for the team to keep long term these are the players who might not financially long term make sense for miami but are playing at a high level and could potentially be trade value for this team here are the players who I think are universal scheme fits where if you do make a head coaching change, they're going to be able to perform at a high level no matter what. Here are the players who I think are are this scheme-specific type contributors at the price point you're probably going to have to pay them. Like There's a lot of questions that we have to ask and a lot of information we need to sort through as we kind of calibrate for whatever comes next. And I just want us to be prepared for anything. I'm a Boy Scout at heart. You know, it was an Eagle Scout as a kid. The saying is be prepared, right? So we're going to be prepared for anything. We're going to be prepared for any storyline to unfold here on Locked on Dolphins. So make sure you keep it locked in right here. Kyle Krabs, Fins Up. Thanks as always for listening. Hope you guys enjoy your Monday as best as you can. And I'll talk to you guys again soon.